When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, this is Fabio Vieira. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Match Day audio program. Arsenal versus Sheffield United. Saturday, October 28th, 2023. Kick-off, 3pm. The contents. Captain's notes. Around Arsenal. Player feature, Reese Nelson. Community voice. Foundation voice. Academy young gun, Reese Clement. Around the academy. Women. Visitors, Sheffield United. Match action, Arsenal versus Manchester City. Match action, Chelsea versus Arsenal. Final words and teams. Odegaard, Captain's Notes. It seems a long time since our last game here, but that was a very significant one against Manchester City. Martin was speaking to Josh James. Photography, Stuart McFarlane, David Price. It was so important to finally beat them in the league. We've been close a few times lately, and we beat them in the Community Shield too, but this one felt very important. It was about time we did it, and after what happened at the end of last season, it felt really good. Of course, by beating them, it gives us extra confidence, especially knowing that we haven't beaten them for a while in the league. It gives us a good feeling which we can take into our matches going forward. It was a great way for us to go into the international break, but unfortunately for Norway we didn't get the result we needed against Spain to stay in the race to qualify for Euro 2024. To be honest though, we didn't lose it in that game. It was in the earlier results against Georgia away, and especially at home to Scotland. That's where we lost it. We were ahead against Scotland until late on and lost the game, so that's where qualification went wrong for us. It wasn't the Spain game this month. It's a big frustration though, because we haven't played at a major tournament since 2000, so this was always a big goal, and we didn't manage to get there. We wanted to break that run, but it wasn't our time. Who knows, we could still have some luck and get into the playoffs, that's our last hope, but it now depends on other results. All the international players returned here fully focused on the club, 
and we fought back well to get that point away to Chelsea. I think everyone on the pitch felt that we weren't at our best that day. We showed really good character and fight to get us a point, but it was not a great performance from us, especially in the first half. A lot of the things we did on the ball were not as good as we wanted, and it just felt like we were struggling a bit. So to be able to still fight back despite that and take a point is the positive we can take from it. To get a point against a strong team with a lot of quality players away from home in a London derby when we are not at our best is a good sign as well. When it's not your day, make sure you still get a result. You can't play beautiful football every time, so it was a different, but still a good point. It was even better to go to Spain and get three points in the Champions League against Sevilla on Tuesday. We spoke before the game about dealing with the atmosphere there, learning from the Lens game and using it to our advantage. It was a mature performance in a big away game in Europe. Spanish teams can use lots of tricks, make things difficult, but we were ready for that and we got a really important win. It puts us in a great position in the group, where we want to be, and especially with two home games coming up, we have to make the most of that. They will be tough games, but we want to win the group, and we have put ourselves in the position to do that. Today we face Sheffield United, and despite their position in the table, we know we have to treat this as a Champions League game as well. That's the mindset we need, because every team in the Premier League will give you a big fight. That's what happens in the Premier League. You have to be sharp, at your best, every week, or else you're punished. We want to control the game from start to finish, and we have to be our best to do this. In this league, you will face lots of different challenges. This will be a very different type of game to our last match at home against Manchester City. So as a team, you must be adaptable and be prepared for every challenge. There are different styles you encounter, and the teams that adapt the best will be the most successful. I do feel we are getting better and better at that. Diversity is our strength. It's Black History Month, and learning about different cultures is something I love about being in football. From a very young age, I've grown up around different cultures, different backgrounds and different nationalities. I love that because you can learn from other people's experiences and personal histories. That's a brilliant factor of being part of a team. I grew up in Norway and moved to Madrid at a young age, and now of course I'm in London, so there are different experiences for me here, and again you learn from your surroundings and the people you work and live alongside. Of course, a big city like London is very different to where I grew up in Norway. And as captain of Arsenal, I always meet so many supporters from the local London area and from all over the world. I've seen how diverse our fan base is and this is something we should be so proud of as a club. We speak about togetherness a lot here and I've seen that big connection with our supporters during my time at Arsenal. It's great and we feel like a family and it's important that every single supporter feels part of our family. Around Arsenal, Gabby's 100 up. Gabriel Martinelli became the latest Arsenal player to reach a century of Premier League appearances, bringing up the milestone in our 2-2 draw at Chelsea last weekend. 
The Brazilian forward made his league debut for us back on August 11th, 2019 in a 1-0 win away to Newcastle United and since then he has contributed 27 goals and 14 assists in the Premier League. He's the 65th Arsenal player to reach the landmark and at the age of 22 years and 4 months he's the 4th youngest to do so after Chesk Fabregas, Bukayo Saka and Theo Walcott. He's also the third Brazilian to a century for us, after Gilberto and teammate Gabriel Magales. He has started 74 and came on in the other 26, winning 27, drawing 21 and losing 22. Here's to the next ton, Gabby. Gabriel Martinelli made his Champions League debut on Tuesday night in Sevilla's Estadio Ramon Sanchez Pijuan and, as is customary, he marked the occasion with a goal. The 22-year-old streaked forward during injury time at the end of the first half and rounded the keeper to open the scoring. And it's the fourth time that our Brazilian has netted for us on his first start in a competition. His first Arsenal goals came when he started in the Carabao Cup third-round win over Nottingham Forest on September 24, 2019. He claimed a brace that evening, and a week later, he netted twice more when he started in the Europa League for the first time, a 4-0 home win over Standard Liège. His first start in the Premier League came in December 2019, though he had made substitute appearances before that, and he scored again in a 3-1 win at West Ham United. His first start in the FA Cup was at Bournemouth on January 27, 2020, and although he didn't score that day, he claimed the assist for Bakayo Saka's opening goal in our 2-1 win. Ref Watch This afternoon's referee is Tim Robinson from West Sussex. He was promoted to the Select Group 1 this season, having officiated his first Premier League game in December 2019. This is his fifth top-flight game of the season, his first featuring Arsenal, and in his previous four Premier League games, he has shown 21 yellow cards and no reds. Meet the mascots. Today's home mascot is Jack, age 10, from Clackmannanshire in Scotland. His favourite players are Martin Odegaard, Bukayo Saka and William Saliba. The away mascot is Jake, aged 11, from Sheffield. We hope you both have a great day. A word from our guest editor. We were delighted that Dr Clive Nwonka agreed to guest edit this issue of the Matchday programming, interviewing Rhys Nelson for the main player feature, curating a selection of other articles and providing general input across the issue. As you'll read here, no one is more eminently qualified to discuss black representation and Arsenal. It was an honour to be invited by Arsenal to guest edit this matchday programme to mark Arsenal's Black History Month 2023. As an associate professor at University College London, I have spent my career researching how social identities are represented across media, culture and society. I am also the co-editor, author of the forthcoming book Black Arsenal, due for publication in August 2024, which explores the unique and previously unexplored connection between Arsenal Football Club and black identity, culture and community, both locally and nationally, but also, as we've witnessed over many years, globally. As a result, Arsenal's Black History Month programme allowed for me to share some thoughts on this subject. 
Understandably, Black History Month is generally approached as a celebratory period where we recognise the achievements and presence of black people across various areas of society. And this edition of the Arsenal Matchday programme rightly features many of the black players who have made important contributions to the club's successes. However, the focus on celebrating black identity and the achievements of the present day can often neglect how these achievements were made against the backdrop of racism. Black History Month is therefore an opportunity to also consider and understand the unexplored experiences and circumstances faced by black people connected to the club in the past and how the past has informed the present and how what we learn and experience in the black present can impact our shared futures. It is undeniable that racism has and remains a central part of that black history within Britain and beyond, and it is this experience of struggle and resistance to racism that was to produce black pioneers across both the men's and women's game that, as I've argued, has allowed Arsenal to develop its unique connection with the black community. This is a relationship that is seen, felt and lived across so many areas of the club. But it is also undeniable that there may be experiences within Arsenal's black community that are uncomfortable, but so important to hear, understand and learn from. This is also what Black History Month is for. Thus, Black History Month and Arsenal's recognition of this through this specially edited matchday programme encourages us to collectively reflect, not just on the reality of anti-black racism that the club's black players have and continue to contend with, but also amongst the black fan bases and staff who experience racism across society and who are aligned to and find sanctuary within the club and its integrated multiculture. In October 2022, I first presented my ideas on the concept of Black Arsenal to an audience at the Barbican Centre, which included former players, members of the Arsenal staff and board, and, of course, supporters across a range of generations, cultural identities and races. In many ways, what was present in that audience was so representative of what so many have experienced and enjoyed within the stands of both Highbury and the Emirates Stadium, a natural multiculture and integration among people who come together in a shared appreciation of cultural difference. Prior to the event at the Barbican, I gave a talk on my research at the Emirates for the Arsenal staff members who were unable to attend the Barbican presentation. During the Q&A, a black member of staff rose and asked me if I believed that Arsenal, as an organisation, recognised its unique connection to the black community. This is a question that has lived with me throughout the last year and that I was unable to answer at the time. I believe that Arsenal do recognise this and I am proud that my research has contributed to this recognition. However, this needs continuous recognition. It is an extremely precious relationship that needs to be continuously embraced, explored and described in ways that are recognisable to that black community. Football remains a sport where racism is still a daily reality for so many across all levels of the game. The ongoing challenge to this is a responsibility for all of football and this responsibility should not and cannot be carried by just one club. 
However, I believe that Arsenal's distinctive and unique relationship with the global black community provides an opportunity for Arsenal to position themselves at the very forefront of this challenge as a principle and value. For there is a natural relationship between Arsenal Football Club and the black community that is not replicated anywhere in British football. But it cannot be taken for granted or celebrated just through branding and merchandise, as attractive and important these are to the new generations of fans across all races and cultures. Because the relationship essentially begins with the connection between fans, players and the shared struggle and resistance that has made Arsenal so important to so many black people and makes Black History Month so important to Arsenal. Hopefully, by exploring the past and the present, this guest edition can make a contribution to the future of this relationship. Dr. Clive Nwonka Get well soon, Wayne. Everyone at Arsenal would like to wish Wayne Busbridge a speedy recovery to full health after recent difficulties with his health. Wayne, one of our many visually impaired supporters and a great representative for his fellow VI Gunners, is a lifelong fan who travels far and wide to support his beloved Gunners, even creating a documentary about his experiences travelling to Baku for the Europa League final. He is also an avid listener to the Matchday programme using our audio version. We hope you hear our heartfelt well wishes, Wayne. And while we're here, did you know that our Matchday programmes are available as a podcast, a service provided primarily for our visually impaired supporters, but available to everyone? What better way to while away a long journey? Professional readers really bring the interviews to life in a podcast which is usually available on the Monday after a weekend fixture. Five Star Supporters Clubs Welcoming Supporters Clubs to Emirates Stadium on their special match day. Today we welcome fans from Arsenal Japan, a supporters club formed in 2002 that has 170 members, most of whom live in Japan but some of whom live in the UK or travel from Europe. The club started because fans over here were struggling to get tickets for Highbury and those in Japan had trouble getting the latest news. So the founder, Mika, set up a fan site called Arsenal News and helped fans from overseas get to games. One meeting with the club and a successful presentation later, Arsenal Japan was an official supporters club. It hasn't all been plain sailing though. Once, five of us travelled to Bolton Wanderers when Hidetoshi Nakata was playing for them. I realised at the motorway service station that I'd left my backpack with the tickets in at home. We went to the box office at Bolton, but they couldn't issue duplicates because they didn't know who we were, which is fair enough, and I was in tears because three of us had come all the way from Japan to watch the match. They didn't know exactly what I'd done, even though I couldn't stop crying, and they were happy to see and follow Hide walking from the car park to the stadium. Then, thankfully, I saw Jill, who was the supporters' liaison officer at the time. She took us straight to the box office, explained who we were, and helped us get the tickets. I felt like an angel had got off the coach when I saw her. Most Japanese are very quiet and shy, but for some of them, coming here is a once-in-a-lifetime experience, Mika adds. They probably don't speak English very well, but are desperate to share their joy with other supporters, so please be friendly to make their special day even more special. 
Arsenal remembers. Glenn Miller, a great volunteer for the club PE2, standing on the Astro in all weathers. A love of all things Arsenal and his grandsons. Love all at the club PE2. Andy Christophy, in loving memory of an amazing dad, Andy Christophy, lifelong gooner, love and miss you loads from your children Ant, Cat and Joanna. Dr. Karowi Dorgu, a lifelong gooner who served the people of North Islington for many years as Minister of St. Mark's School and later St. John's Upper Holloway. He will be greatly missed by all who knew him. Noel Condon, our Mr. Arsenal, sadly passed away September 9th, 2023, aged 85 years. He will be lovingly remembered by his wife of 63 years, Peggy, and sons Brian and Barry. John Gurrell. To our beloved John, a lifelong gooner, we miss you. Bow your head, lad, hear the cannon sound. Time to take up the flag. A gunner is down. Jay Murphy, in loving memory of Jay Murphy, 5th of the 5th, 1980, to 21st of the 9th, 2023. For those that knew him lost the greatest friend, thinking of all that loved him, especially his two kids. You'll be forever remembered, mole man. Love ya. Once a gooner, always a gooner. Suresh Joseph. First of the 10th, 23. Rest in peace, big brother. Thanks for giving me my love of Arsenal. I miss you, Suresh. Dennis Arthur Eagle. Beloved husband, father, granddad, friend and lifelong gooner, Dennis passed away aged 88 on September 29th, 2023. The Afterlife Arsenal Supporters Club just gained an immensely passionate new member. We all miss you, Dad, but we know we'll see you again. R.I.P. Bobby Charlton Arsenal Football Club was saddened to hear of the recent death of the legendary Bobby Charlton. Bobby was undoubtedly one of England's greatest ever footballers. Instrumental in the 1966 World Cup victory, he won the Ballon d'Or in the same year and won three league titles, the FA Cup and, in 1968, the European Cup with Manchester United. The country's record goalscorer, 49, for over 40 years. He even scored at Highbury for England twice in a World Cup qualifier against Luxembourg in 1961. Bobby played many times for Manchester United against the Gunners during a 17-season top-flight career, the very first time being on February 1st, 1958, when he also scored in a 5-1 win for Matt Busby's team at Highbury. The match holds a special significance as the visitors last before travelling to play Red Star Belgrade in the European Cup and the subsequent tragic plane crash in Munich on February 6th in which Bobby lost many teammates and friends. Our thoughts are with the Charlton family at this very difficult time. NMR Shirts for Young Role Models the No More Red initiative launched in January 2022 with Adidas to support the long-standing work being done by Arsenal in the community to keep young people safe from knife crime and youth violence. Within that, one of the aims was to spotlight the work of young people who have made a positive difference, and the latest recipients of our special No More Red shirts today are Mikey and Tamid, a mentor and mentee pair from the Creative Ops 2023 mentoring program. Mikey is a product and technology professional who has been providing support to Tamid, a computer science student based in Islington. 
They have been meeting on a weekly basis for six months, and Tamid has been able to explore potential career paths after completing his studies, as well as gain insights into Mikey's area of expertise. This has broadened Tamid's perspective on various fields, including product design, graphic design, and website development, enhancing his technical skills and knowledge beyond his computer science degree. This valuable connection was made possible through Creative Ops bringing us together, and I would recommend others to check out Creative Ops, says Tamid. Having a mentor has given me a sense of direction and calm. It has been a 10 out of 10 experience, and I've benefited greatly from it. Mikey has provided exceptional support to Tamid, who has displayed an incredible dedication to his self-development throughout the program. We would like them to have the opportunity to celebrate together through the White Shirt Initiative. Ticket news. Home tickets. Arsenal vs Sevilla FC. UEFA Champions League. Wednesday, November 8th. Kick-off 8pm. Tickets for this match are on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members via the ticket exchange service until 5pm on Wednesday, November 8th. Please note that booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Arsenal vs Burnley, Premier League, Saturday, November 11th, kick-off 3pm. Tickets for this match are on sale to Silver, Cannon, Red and Junior Gunner members via the ticket exchange service until 12pm on Saturday, November 11th. Please note that booking fees will apply to all ticket sales. Reese Nelson. In Black History Month, our guest editor, Dr. Clive Nwonka, spoke to the Gunners forward about representation. Black History Month exists for a reason. It gives everyone the opportunity to share, celebrate and understand the impact of black heritage and culture. In football terms, it gives us cause to reflect on the scourge of racism, a blight on the English game in the 1970s and 80s that despite great progression and the tireless work of organisations such as Kick It Out, has never been eradicated completely and also celebrate the contribution of so many black players. They stand tall in the history of Arsenal, from Brendan Batson, Raphael Mead and Chris White, through the greats of the George Graham and Arsene Wenger eras, to the likes of Bukayo Saka, Eddie Nekataya and Rhys Nelson, not to mention a host of young academy players making their way in the game. To mark our celebration of Black History Month today, Rhys Nelson, a young man who grew up in an ethnically diverse part of South London and has been with Arsenal since the age of nine, sat down to talk to Dr Clive, sharing his own experiences of growing up in a mixed-race household, living on a primarily black estate and facing suspicion when he ventured beyond its boundaries. He reflects on racism in the game, the progress that has been made, including Arsenal's role in that progress and through his passion for community work, identifies an area in which we all need to work harder to keep on breaking down barriers. Reese, let's start at the very beginning with where you're from. I'm originally from Elephant and Castle. I'm from the Aylesbury estate. It's massive, one of the biggest estates in Europe. But not everyone knows it, so Elephant and Castle is easier because it's the place that everyone knows. It's a diverse area, so how was it for you growing up there? Did you face issues around your race and colour, or were you purely able to focus on football? I'd say it was a bit of both. Growing up, from the age of eight until about twelve, 
you don't realise the racial issues that are happening around you in certain areas. There were a lot of black people on my estate, so we felt that we were together as a group and were fine. But in and around the area, there were a lot of white people in Bermondsey. And a lot of times when you go to those areas on your own as a kid, you realise certain things and have feelings that you don't experience at home. Then, maybe when you're on a stairwell, you get questions. Why are you around here? Or in a shop, maybe a designer shop that's a bit out of your league, you have eyes on you, and you feel a kind of presence, you know? I don't get it now, maybe because I'm a bit more recognisable. But until I was maybe about 16, I'd have people on me all the time, asking questions. You get those little stares, and you can feel it. It's not a nice feeling to have. When you were young, did your parents ever speak to you about race and representation, how to manage yourself, how to behave? Yes and no, because I'm mixed race, so my mother's parents were black and white, and they had trouble growing up because, of course, being a mixed race child back in those days wasn't really the thing to be. So I kind of had two sides, where I would be at my nan's house, she's white, and she told me to be strong in what I believe in. My granddad, who's black, would be the same. They came together and both had an understanding of what younger people were going through. They would say, If you're in that shop and eyes are on you, just let it be. You know what it's like, so don't overreact. Don't give them an opportunity to point the finger or blame you for anything. Who were your big role models in terms of people you looked at and thought, that's who I want to be? Being an Arsenal fan, it was probably Thierry Henry, Wrighty and Jack Wilshere. They were the three people I looked up to most. With Jack, I wanted to follow his career path from the academy to the first team. And with Wrighty, it was more the amazing career he had after coming from that rough background. He comes from an estate like me. So to see him come through all the troubles and things he's gone through, I feel like I've had a similar path and know some of what he went through to make it to the top. You're from South London. So did you gravitate towards Arsenal as a London club because they had so many black players when you were growing up? 100%. People like Rocky and Ian Wright, they were people that my granddad and brother would pinpoint as the players to represent Arsenal and the players to aspire to be like. In the 1980s, with the likes of Paul Davis, Michael Thomas and David Rowcastle at the club, even before Ian Wright, they carried a lot of responsibility on their shoulders pioneering black players at a time when bananas were being thrown on the pitch. Have you ever faced that sort of abuse? I don't think I received a lot of abuse playing football in England. A lot of the racism I got was when I was abroad. I was in a town called Heidelberg when I was on loan at Hoffenheim when I was 19, and it was similar to being a kid again. The look you'd get when you went into certain restaurants, or even in the supermarket there would be a lot of older people, who were maybe set in their ways. For them to see a young black boy in a neighbourhood that's predominantly white, without even saying anything, they'd give you that look that says, what are you doing here? Or they'd tart and walk away. Then at certain away games, you'd get the monkey chance, especially when taking corners. I think at that age you kind of laugh it off, and don't look at it as deep, but of course it's a deep, deep feeling. It has to stop. I think maybe players should confront it more, until it does stop. I want to talk about Bournemouth last season and the last-minute winner. If you look back at the videos now, you can see, and you probably saw, a hugely multiracial fan base. I don't think I've seen that in any other stadium, possibly in the world. 
where you have so many black and brown faces among the white, all appreciating football. What's it like for you looking up from the pitch and seeing that multiculturalism in the stands? It's amazing. That's what you want to see, you know? Arsenal is a beautiful club, and I think it goes back to all of the players that we had over a long period of time, and how that represents the fan base as well. It's a beautiful thing to see so many different faces. Since the Premier League began in 1992, of all the players who have made their debuts for Arsenal, more than 40% of them have been black. How does that stat make you feel? It's an amazing achievement, but let's make it more. 40% is good, but why can't we make it 80%? There are so, so many talented black players, and what it does show is that Arsenal are willing to give you a chance. I do know that certain other players have been on trial at other clubs and have felt they didn't get in because of their skin colour. Really? In London as well? 100%. And when they've been abroad in some cases. Is it for sure that they know that? I don't know. But if that's the way they feel. So 40% is an amazing stat. But why can't we make it more? In the past, I had an experience taking a young black player to trials at two London clubs. At one of them, he was the only black player among about 30 kids. At the other, there were a lot more black faces in the youth teams, and he felt a lot safer, because people looked like him. Some of the coaches looked like him. Without naming any names, did you go to any clubs where you felt, I can't see myself making it here? Or was it that with Arsenal you felt at home because there were other youth players who looked like you, or came from the same background as you, with shared experiences? I feel like Arsenal has been amazing for me because, like I said, there are so many people from different cultures and backgrounds. I remember coming here as a nine-year-old, and there were another couple of kids from South London. Even at that age, I could see the scouting system wasn't only focusing on one area or one group of people. It covers a wide area, which is beautiful to see. I remember Ian. He was from Columbia and lived in Kenton. I was in Elephant and Castle, which is a short train ride away. And at nine years old, that was amazing. I always felt at home at Arsenal. In terms of representation now, we've looked at players here and the fan base. But what do you think the wider football world should do to increase representation, including off the pitch as well, in terms of coaching or within clubs and organisations? I guess I can only talk about things I know in terms of football. And for me, the best thing is in terms of community action. I'm all about the community. And if there's more happening in the community and more players being scouted from different areas, that can only help people from all sorts of different backgrounds get recognised in whatever they're doing. There's a lot of people from my old area who were coaches, youth workers who have gone on to do amazing things in different industries. And that has all come from being a core part of the community. They're helping kids always. And I think that's something we're lacking right now, especially in South London. There aren't enough people active in their communities. You go to a pitch on a Monday or Tuesday and it will be empty. Whereas when I was growing up, the pitch was just full of kids. After school, you'd see at least 10 or 15 kids all in their school colours, all playing football. Or at a youth club playing table tennis or getting mentored by black, white, Asian people. That only helps to get you educated for the real world. I feel like there's not a lot of people doing that anymore. If we can have more of that, and more community workers involved in football, pushing kids towards whatever they want to do, 
It doesn't have to be football, just in everyday life. That would help. In terms of football, just looking back on the Chelsea game, there's something about late goals that's become a habit over the past couple of years. What is it about this team that means you can keep on hanging in there and finding these late winners and equalisers? I think it's the belief that we all have. No matter whether you're starting, on the bench or even not in the squad, the belief that the boss puts in players makes us feel like anything is possible. Even if we're 1-0 down, 2-0 down, and there's minutes to go, we still have that fire in our belly where we think, we're not stopping here, we're going to carry on knocking on the door. We keep going, we keep pushing, and that comes from everyone. The staff, the coaches, the kit men, the players, the crowd. Everyone feels that. And when you have that sort of belief and energy, only good things can happen. I think that's why we keep getting late goals. Lastly, in terms of Sheffield United today, they can't be underestimated, can they? We never underestimate any team, and I think that's why we're doing well. We treat every team, every opponent as if they're the best, and we need to go out and play our best. It will be a hard game. They'll have a low block that we'll need to break down, but we'll be ready. We'll be fighting. And hopefully, we'll put on a beautiful display for the fans. Community Voice Arsenal Acts Name Ellie From Hertfordshire Age 16 Project NCFE Level 2 Sports Coaching Programme Participants 7 For more info, email our Sports Study Programme teacher Holly Walker at hwalker at arsenal.co.uk I first learned about the Level 2 NCFE Sports Coaching Programme through a staff member at Arsenal while I was part of the 2022-23 Ball Squad. They were extremely helpful in extending our time at Arsenal and recommended the programme to me as I was contemplating my next steps after Year 11. During my time in the Ball Squad, I had the opportunity to meet many people and make new friends. Many of them attended Arsenal in the Community sessions on weekends, and they encouraged me to join as well. That's when I realised that Arsenal was involved in community work. I didn't need any persuasion to apply for the sports coaching course. I've always aspired to a career in football, and being a massive Arsenal fan, I knew it was the best opportunity for me moving forward. On my first visit to the Arsenal hub for the programme, All the staff members already knew my name. This made me feel extremely welcome, like I was already a part of the Arsenal family. On top of that, all the other students made an effort to introduce themselves, ensuring that I felt included and respected. During my time on the course, I've attended numerous workshops and events. We have fun, but also learn about important topics within football and society. My favourite so far has to be the Arsenal No More Red workshop, where we had the opportunity to style Adidas football shirts in the Adidas store. Not only did this raise my awareness and understanding of the campaign, but it was also enjoyable, and we got the chance to socialise with other people who share an interest in Arsenal. 
I've been surprised by the number of amazing opportunities I've been part of. Every week, we're presented with different workshops to attend, meet new people from the industry, and learn new things. Since joining the Level 2 course, I've formed some amazing friendships. This has been important because we all share common interests and are working towards similar goals. These friendships have been crucial to me as I feel we support each other in everything we do, both on and off the course, and help each other when needed the most. All the Arsenal's staff, teachers and coaches are incredible. They are always rooting for your success and encouraging you to do your best. They also take the time to get to know each and every student, making you feel at home and pushing you to do better. I feel that my skill set is continuously growing since joining the Level 2 course, something that may not have happened if I had chosen a standard college course. Specifically, I believe I've improved my communication skills, perseverance, patience, and the ability to motivate others. I've also gained independence and confidence, especially when socialising with new people and visiting new places. As an Arsenal fan, I feel proud of being involved in such an amazing community and grateful for having such amazing opportunities and people around me. I would definitely recommend others to join the Level 2 course. It's an amazing experience to be involved in. Being an ally This month is Black History Month, and I believe that being an ally to black people is crucial as it provides an opportunity to understand and learn about different cultures around the world, says Ellie. Being an ally allows me to better comprehend the struggles that individuals from diverse cultures have faced, contributing to my learning and personal growth. This term, we had a Show Racism the Red Card workshop that included a guest panel of former Arsenal player Perry Groves and former England Test cricketer Monty Panassar. Attending the workshop was essential, as it gave me the opportunity to actively learn, participate in tackling racism, and hopefully bring about a more positive outcome for society. A black person I look up to is Alex Scott. She inspires me, because not only has she achieved success in an industry that has historically been predominantly male and white, but she has also faced considerable adversity as a black female in sports and has shown remarkable resilience throughout her career. Alex Scott is an inspiration to all. Diversity in football is vital because the game is for everyone and no one should be judged based on their race or culture. Football should be a sport where we all come together and support one another both our teams and the people who love the sport. Foundation Voice, Arsenal Acts To mark Black History Month, this issue we hear from an inspirational figure who has become involved in the Arsenal and Adidas No More Red campaign. Dr Stephen Addison, BEM, Age 32, is founder and CEO of Box Up Crime. I grew up in Barking, and prior to opening Box Up Crime, I was a misguided young man involved in the streets up to no good, 
I lacked purpose and identity. After finding faith in God, I went on a journey of transformation in changing my life around. I picked up boxing training, which gave me discipline and structure, and enrolled at London South Bank University. I wanted to study business with a vision of one day opening my own gym that could get kids off the street. I went on to graduate with a first-class degree for my university assignment, which entailed setting up Box Up Crime, which provides free boxing sessions for all young people in the community. Ten years on, Box Up Crime has successfully engaged with more than 30,000 young people to date, and we have also delivered Box Up Crime to multiple London boroughs and internationally. We have seen many young people find purpose and positively exit a life of crime and gangs. I saw firsthand the negative impacts that crime and gangs had on my friends and wider community, and I witnessed many people of my generation perished due to senseless murders and lengthy jail sentences. I was deeply passionate about seeing a change and also providing a sustainable and impactful solution to the problem. Since then, our work has been recognised nationally, receiving the British Empire Medal in the 2019 Queen's Honours List. Box Up uses sport and boxing in particular as a tool to inspire, educate and develop young individuals. Box Up helps young people build up strength, confidence and resilience. Our mentors also act as role models to get to know the kids and work with at-risk young people to guide them onto positive paths and improve their life chances. This boost in self-assurance and practical skills has far-reaching effects on their overall well-being and their ability to contribute to society. We have also seen many young people successfully exit a life of gangs and serious youth violence and discover a purpose and identity in more positive alternatives. A number of the young people we have worked with when they were in school or excluded are now working with us, either in our gym or as programme leaders going back into schools and supporting young people. Some have even gone back to their old schools as mentors, having turned their lives around to put themselves on a positive path. No More Red is a powerful campaign, and our work with thousands of young people over the past decade and the positive feedback we have received resulted in Box Up Crime becoming a No More Red partner. For more information, visit boxupcrime.org. Academy Younger, Reese Claremont. The Basics. Born December 14th, 2006. Joined October 2020. Height and weight, 5 foot 10, 69 kilograms. Position, winger, fullback. School, Davenant Foundation School, Loughton. Number 98. Rate yourself out of 100. Pace 90, dribbling 75, passing 69, shooting 70, defending 65, physical 80. I grew up in the East London Essex area around Hainault. My football journey began in year one when my dad encouraged me to be more active. I took his advice and I decided to start playing football. Personally, I have roots in Barbados, with my dad being born there, as well as my mum's parents. 
I highly recommend trying a traditional Bajan snack known as bread and two, which is basically deep-fried cod fish cakes put in a sandwich and broken in two. My heritage is a source of pride, and I hope to represent Barbados in the future, if given the opportunity. I'm a massive Arsenal fan, and I vividly remember my first Arsenal shirt, which had Alexis on the back when he signed for the club. He was my favourite player, and I even wore the same boots. My favourite memories from him would be his goal against Manchester United and his iconic strike against Aston Villa in the 2015 FA Cup final. In my early days on the pitch, I started as a centre-back, primarily because I was the tallest in my age group. But I wanted to copy the skillful styles of Cristiano Ronaldo and Alexis Sanchez. Given that I couldn't do that at the back, I decided to play further forward, and in my Sunday league team I played on the wing, where I could develop my game and become a more potent threat further up the pitch. Alongside my Sunday league stints, I started to play at West Ham's development centres and soccer schools during the half-terms and summer holidays. In year seven, I decided to drop out of Sunday league because I needed to challenge myself more, so I decided to spend more time at West Ham. While I was there, we actually played against Arsenal Women's Academy team, which included the likes of Leila Harbert, who's a top player and current England under-17s captain. Shortly after that, I joined Ryan FC in Walthamstow. It's very close to Hale End, and I would drive past every time I went to training. While I was at Ryan, one of my PE teachers, who was influential in my career, Mr Gould, managed to get me a trial with Leighton Orient, although I could only sign with them once the season ended. But then Arsenal showed an interest in me at the time and also wanted to offer me a trial. My mum, aware of my deep attachment to Arsenal as my boyhood club, encouraged me not to take up Leighton Orient's offer and seize the opportunity with Arsenal. Despite Orient's readiness to sign me, I chose to pursue the Arsenal trial. My trial at Arsenal started with the under-14s during pre-season and I scored in my first two matches against Charlton and Chelsea. Then, a couple of weeks later, Adam Birchall pulled aside myself and my current teammate Bless Akolbia and let us know they wanted to sign us. I was so excited. My time at Hale End was full of epic moments, from scoring on my debut against Charlton with my very first touch, to the awesome trip to Brazil, where I had the chance to face off against Independiente Medellin with the under-17s and even managed to score a goal. Getting my scholarship offer was also an incredible feeling. To see all your hard work finally pay off was such a great feeling. Since I arrived at London Colney, I've discovered that under-18s football is an entirely different beast. The standard is exceptional, and it demands relentless effort and improvement to stay competitive. Also, given that we are at Colney, we get to see the first team quite often. That's great for us, as it provides a clear benchmark for us aspiring young players, pushing us to raise our game and learn from their habits and techniques. Sharing digs with Charles Sago Jr., who's practically a brother to me, has been incredibly inspiring. Seeing his journey from the under-21s to the first team and then witnessing his debut against Brentford was a reminder of what's possible when you keep pushing and grab those opportunities with both hands. It's living proof that persistence and determination can take you to incredible heights. This season, I want to continue my progress with the under-18s, make my debut in the FA Youth Cup and represent the under-19s in the UEFA Youth League.
I'd also love to get my goals tally in double figures. My style is direct and dynamic, often taking on fullbacks one-on-one, and I can play on either flank. In terms of speed, I'm among the fastest players in the under-18s. I've run 30 metres in 3.76 seconds. My pre-game preparation includes praying to God to bring me inner calm and peace, and I'll have a soothing hot bath the night before to relax my muscles and a meal of pasta and chicken. In terms of songs, I haven't got a particular one, but last season I listened to the song Rule of Two by Dave and Young's Teflon to get myself in the zone before games. Beyond my own journey in football, I've also been engaged in coaching and volunteering back at my primary school in collaboration with the United Karate Association, UKA, which is headed by Luke Cuthbert. Throughout that, I've developed a deeper understanding of the sport, both from a player's and a coach's perspective. Inspirational Black History Month holds a special place in my heart as a black footballer. It's an important time to celebrate and embrace our rich heritage, both on and off the pitch. Arsenal, in particular, has a fantastic history of black talent, from legends like Thierry Henry, Ian Wright and Patrick Vieira, to the stars of today, like Bukayo Saka, Eddie Nketiah, William Saliba and Gabriel Jesus. The contributions of black individuals to football and Arsenal are a source of pride and inspiration to me. Around the Academy Lom's Loss Exeter Excellence Mehmet Ali shared his reflections on a frustrating afternoon in the UEFA Youth League after our under-19s suffered a narrow 1-0 loss against RC Lon on Tuesday, October 3rd. I felt like we started the game well, said our under-19s coach. There were probably two different styles on show in the game, and credit to our opponents, their style beat our style today. They were in a low block. They defended well and they waited for opportunities to counter. When you're us with the way we play, you can't give the ball away cheaply, and we did that a few times in the first half. It led to a penalty, and the timing of the goal was unfortunate for us. But we still had the second half. My frustrations weren't so much with the first half, but more with the second half and how we didn't really take the game to our opponents. A penalty deep into first half stoppage time proved to be the only difference between the two sides at the start Francois Blin, and Ali regretted our lack of killer instinct in search of an equaliser. I think that's football. When you're playing for Arsenal, you've got to be able to roll your sleeves up and embrace the opportunity that you've got. We lacked a little bit of creativity and cutting edge in the final third. We wanted our attacking players, our wingers and our centre-forward to definitely do more than our deeper players to make more impressive runs in behind. We didn't have enough shots on target. We didn't work their goalkeeper enough. So lots to look at and lots to learn from this game. Despite two opening losses, the coach still believes the UEFA Youth League provides a fantastic learning opportunity for our young gunners. It's a great competition to be involved in. I was really pleased with our boys' intent in what we were trying to do in the first half. Yeah, we made unforced errors. But you expect that. And I think both teams did that. So some positives from the first half performance. But we have to be better with our basics. It's always difficult now when you've lost your first two opening games. But there's an opportunity for us to be better in the next game. Ali's next coaching assignment was in Devon, 
as the under-21s travelled to take on League One outfit Exeter City in the EFL Trophy on Tuesday, October 10th. A scintillating spell from Ali's team late in the game earned an emphatic 5-0 win, with Charles Sago Jr., Kion Edwards, Jack Henry Francis and Seb Ferdinand all hitting the mark. An extraordinary display against a men's team who had started their League One campaign in fine form. Ali commended his players, saying, We as a group of staff are really proud of our team's performance today. The level of play we sustained for the entire 90 minutes was truly excellent. Exeter City fielded a strong lineup with a few youngsters, but a fair few established League One footballers. While we faced challenges at times, our defensive resilience, compactness, and organisation prevented them from getting a single shot on target against our goal. Discussing the second half surge of goals, Ali said, In the second half, we made some tactical adjustments, shifting towards wingers and reverting to our usual 4 3 3 formation. This tactical shift posed problems for the opposition. But I believe it was more about our relentless desire to win and to capitalise on our opportunities. We displayed ruthless efficiency in front of goal, converting five goals from six attempts, which I'm immensely pleased with. With a crowd of over 3,000 at St James's Park, Ali was particularly impressed by how our team handled the challenge of playing away and expressed his gratitude to the small but vocal contingent of Arsenal fans who made the trip. The atmosphere was quite different from what we typically experience in Premier League 2 and we faced resistance from the home crowd as the away team. I want to give a big shout out to our supporters who made the trip tonight, he added. They were absolutely brilliant providing unwavering encouragement throughout the game. Their energy resonated with the players and provided a significant boost. It's the reason we gave them a huge round of applause at the end of the match. Meanwhile, our under-18s came from behind to beat Leicester City 2-1 on Saturday, October 7th, despite finishing the game with nine men. Head coach Jack Wilshere praised the passion and determination displayed by his young gunners during what was a thrilling comeback victory. On an eventful afternoon at London Colney, Leicester missed a penalty and we had Chido Obi sent off. In the midst of this setback, Caleb Dyke managed to give the visitors the lead. The Gunners weren't done, however, as Mikhail Rojak equalised and then Amari Benjamin scored our crucial second goal before receiving a second yellow card and joining Obi on the sidelines. I don't think we started the match well. We seem to be giving away possession too easily allowing the opposing team to apply pressure, said Wilshire. I constantly stress to the team that, in football, passion, desire and pride are fundamental, sometimes even more crucial than tactics. Without these qualities, survival in the game is difficult. Today, they showcase these attributes, fighting not just for themselves, but for their teammates and coaches. This is the first time this season I've genuinely felt this unity within the group, and it makes me proud. As a former player, I always played with that level of intensity and I want my teams to replicate that aggression, even if we're down a player or two. The boss expressed hope that this victory would motivate the team. It's an incredible feeling. Let's put tactics aside and focus on the hunger, the determination, to be that team that takes the game to the opposition and remains hard to beat, even on an off day. We have big games ahead, with Middlesbrough in the cup followed by Crystal Palace and Brighton in the league. These are crucial games against teams in close proximity to us. I've challenged the players to rise to the occasion 
To be the team that breaks away and competes at the top, continuously improving our performances week after week. Alex excels. Low knee Alex Kirk enjoyed a superb debut for National League side Bromley in their thrilling 3-2 win over Wildstone in the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup on Saturday, October 14th. The 20-year-old defender scored the opening goal with a header and won the Player of the Match award. The excitement continues as Bromley have drawn a home fixture against League One side Blackpool in the first round of the FA Cup, scheduled for Saturday, November 4th. Miles Moore of Lewis Skelly England youth international Miles Lewis Skelly recently signed his first professional contract. The 17-year-old joined the club in May 2015 and has been a key player for our academy sides ever since. The midfielder has made five appearances for us across all age groups this season, scoring once. Miles' contribution to our FA Youth Cup run last season was vital as he scored the last-minute winner at Emirates Stadium against Manchester City in the semi-final. It means the world to me. This is my boyhood club ever since I can remember. To play for Arsenal, I'm truly speechless, he said after putting pen to paper. It feels amazing. I'm so delighted because, since I was a boy, I've been dreaming of this moment. To say that I'm a professional football player now is a dream come true for me and I just want to thank all the staff and all my family that came to support me. For the support around me, I couldn't be any more grateful. Everyone at the club would like to congratulate Miles on signing his first professional contract, and we look forward to seeing his continued development. International Bright Young Things There were some encouraging performances from a number of Arsenal Academy players during the recent international break, Chido Martinobi scored twice for Denmark's under-17s in their European under-17 championship qualifiers. Playing 125 minutes across their three fixtures, Chido scored in a 4-1 win over Lithuania and a 2-2 draw against Austria to take his tally to five goals in six games for the under-17s. For England's under-21s, Brooke Norton Cuffey replaced Tino Livramento in the 73rd minute of a 3-2 defeat against Ukraine on October 16th. Lee Carsley's Young Lions are second in Group F of the Euro Under-21 qualification stage, three points behind Ukraine. Lino Sousa was involved in all three of England Under-19's draws against Montenegro, 0-0, Wales, 1-1 and Austria, 0-0. Playing 125 minutes across the trio of fixtures. Meanwhile, Amari Benjamin played 162 minutes across three games for Wales under 19s, including the England fixture. They also drew 0 0 with Austria and lost 3 0 to Montenegro. Meanwhile, Mikhail Rojak played 90 minutes for Poland in their 2 0 defeat against North Macedonia, before coming on in the 60th minute of a 3 0 win against Kazakhstan and playing 62 minutes of a three-all draw against Germany. Lastly, away from qualifying action, Maldini Kakuri came on in the 53rd minute of Albania under-19's one-all friendly draw against Turkey. Arsenal Women Our Invincible Black Gunners 
Since Arsenal ladies' formation in 1987, black footballers have played a key role in the club's many successful eras. From Pat Pyle and Sammy Britton being a part of the squads that won our first FA Cups and Premier Leagues in the early 1990s, through to Dan Carter's wonderful Wembley winner in the 2016 FA Cup final, our first taste of a cup final at the National Stadium. Emirates Stadium's wonderful new core artworks paid tribute to perhaps our greatest ever team, showcasing the Invincibles, who became the first and still only English team to win the UEFA Women's Champions League in 2006-7, a season when Vic Acker's team also won the Women's Premier League, FA Cup and League Cup for an incredible quadruple. And this was a team built on the immense talent of five black superstars. Mary Phillip, Rachel Yankee, Alex Scott, Anita Asante and Leanne Sanderson, each of whom you can see on the artwork. Mary Phillip, ice cool under pressure. Versatile and with pace to burn, Mary played for the Gunners from 2004 to 2008, making 135 appearances in defence, scoring twice. She was instrumental in the quadruple season and started all nine matches in Europe. Only the fifth black woman to represent England, she played 65 times for her country after making her debut as a teenager when a Millwall player. These days, Mary is head coach of Peckham Town, currently the highest level any woman is managing in the men's game in the seventh tier of the National League system. And she has also worked as an assistant coach with England's developing team in recent years. Rachel Yankee One of the game's true legends, Rachel possessed silk and speed and was a huge goal threat from the left wing. She joined Arsenal as a teenager in 1996 and played for us for over 15 years across two spells, making 314 appearances, fourth in the all-time list and scoring 102 goals. Another who played every game in the European triumph, scoring three times. She made a then-record 129 appearances for England, scoring on her debut against Scotland in 1997, aged just 18. She briefly became England's first professional female player when leaving Arsenal for Fulham in 2000 and received an MBE in 2014. Rachel now works with young players at schools and in the media. Alex Scott Undoubtedly one of the most famous names in women's football due to her wonderfully successful media career. Alex retired in 2018 after a similarly spectacular time as a player. After joining Arsenal as a youngster, the adventurous right-back went on to play 313 times for us, putting her fifth in the all-time appearance list and scored 32 goals. And Alex, who also features on our Victoria Concordia Cresset artwork, made history when her 25-yard screamer proved the difference over two legs in the final of what was then called the UEFA Women's Cup. A Lionesses legend too, she also won a then-record number of caps, 140, scoring 12 goals and playing at seven major championships, as well as the 2012 Olympic Games for Great Britain.
Anita Asante, a colossus in the central defence in the European final. Despite having recently converted from central midfield, Anita combined athleticism with fierce tackling and superb reading of the game and shone for the Gunners for a decade, making 160 appearances and scoring four goals before enjoying a hugely successful career abroad in the United States and Sweden. Another stalwart of the Lionesses, with 71 caps, she only retired from the game last year, but is already a hugely respected pundit in the media, and is also pursuing a coaching career with Bristol City. Leanne Sanderson Leanne was a prodigy who scored 40 goals in 41 games in the quadruple season as a teenager, and also played every game in Europe that season. Only Jane Ludlow and Kim Little have scored more goals than Leanne's 139 for Arsenal, which she netted in just 184 games. Like Anita and Alex, she was with the Gunners from a young girl in the academy and went on to earn 50 caps for her country, scoring 15 goals, and ply her trade in the United States, Cyprus, Spain and Italy. She eventually hung up her boots to forge a successful media career as a TV and radio pundit and presenter. Arsenal also had a sixth black player involved in their invincible 2006-7 season, with Rebecca Spencer being the understudy to Emma Byrne for virtually every first-team game that season, and even playing in an FA Cup match as a 15-year-old. Rebecca is currently the first-team goalkeeper for Tottenham and starred for Jamaica at the World Cup earlier this year. Gunners on the up Arsenal have racked up seven points in their last three games to kick-start their season after defeat to Liverpool in the opening game of the Women's Super League campaign. First up was a 2-2 draw at Manchester United on October 6th, with Chloe Lacasse's fierce strike securing a point in the stoppage time after we had led through Stina Blackstenius. We followed that with two more injury time goals in the 2-1 win over Aston Villa at Emirates Stadium on October 15th. Despite dominating the game, we trailed until the 92nd minute when Katie McCabe fired home, with Alessia Russo bagging the winner two minutes later, assisted by sub Beth Mead on her comeback from the ACL injury that had kept her out of action for 11 months. The Gunners then grabbed a 2-1 win at Bristol City a week later, with McCabe scoring both goals and Viviane Miedema making her comeback as a sub. The Visitors Sheffield United Exclusive Content Premier League Today's Visitors Formed 1889 Stadium Bramall Lane Capacity 32,050 Owner Abdullah bin Musaid Al Saud Honours League Champions 1897-98 Second Tier Champions 1952-53 Third Tier Champions 2016-17 Fourth Tier Champions 1981-82 FA Cup Winners 1899 
P.O.T.Y. Illiman and Dye. Most appearances. Joe Shaw. 631. 1948-66. Most goals. Harry Johnson. 201. 1919-1930. Famous fans. Sean Bean. Actor. Dame Jess Ennis Hill. Athlete. Joe Elliott. Singer, Def Leppard. Cal Brook, boxer. Joe Root, cricketer. Paul Heckingbottom, manager. Born, 17th of July, 1977, Barnsley. Previously, Barnsley, 2015, 2016-18. Leeds, 2018, Hibernian, 2019. A South Yorkshire native, Paul has been the Blades' boss since November 2021, when he replaced Slavisa Djokanovic, following an earlier spell in the Premier League that year as caretaker manager in the wake of Chris Wilder's departure. A former defender with a lengthy lower league career that included a two-year spell with local rivals Sheffield Wednesday, his first managerial role was with hometown club Barnsley and he also had short spells with Leeds and Hibs before joining Sheffield United, initially as a youth coach, in July 2020. After a tremendous 2022-23 season, which brought promotion back to the Premier League after a two-year absence, as well as a run to the last four of the FA Cup, Sheffield United are finding life tough at the top in 2023-24. Last season's championship runners-up have taken just one point from their opening nine Premier League games and also fell at the first hurdle of the EFL Cup on penalties at home to Lincoln City. Three of the Blades' previous five Premier League campaigns have resulted in relegation in 1993-94, 2006-07 and most recently in 2020-21, when they finished bottom with just 23 points. And the indications are that this will be another season of struggle among the elite. Bottom of the table, and still on the hunt for that elusive first win, Paul Heckingbottom's side have lost all four away fixtures, the last three all in London, 2-1 against Tottenham, when they conceded twice in stoppage time, 2-0 at West Ham, and 3-1 at Fulham. The defeat at Craven Cottage was compounded by a serious injury to long-serving defender Chris Basham, who fractured his left ankle and is unlikely to play again this term, joining skipper John Egan and new signing Tom Davies on the club's list of long-term absentees. Also still fresh in Blades fans' memories, is the team's 8-0 thrashing by Newcastle at Bramall Lane last month, their all-time record league defeat, a match that had already begun in sombre mood with a minute's silence and tribute to mark the tragic death of one of the club's stalwart female footballers, 27-year-old vice-captain Maddie Cusack. A change in fortune cannot come too soon for the South Yorkshire club, who, 
after last Saturday night's 2-1 home defeat by Manchester United, will be looking today to avoid a sixth straight Premier League defeat. It is all a far cry from last season, when they won 28 of their 46 games in the Championship to finish second behind Burnley and secure promotion with three games to spare, while also knocking Spurs out of the FA Cup and going on to reach the semi-final, where they lost 3-0 to treble-seeking Manchester City at Wembley. Following today's fixture, the Blades have just three games scheduled for November, home clashes with Wolves and fellow strugglers Bournemouth, sandwiching a visit to Brighton. The Visitors Number 18 Wes Fodderingham Born Hammersmith 14th of January 1991 Previously Fulham Bromley Lone Crystal Palace Boreham Wood Lone Histon Lone Swindon Rangers A West Londoner who was on the books of both Fulham and Crystal Palace as a youngster but never made a senior appearance for either, Wes broke through at Swindon before moving to Scotland to join Rangers, where he was the first-choice goalkeeper for three seasons. This is his fourth campaign with the Blades, the first of them served as understudy to Aaron Ramsdale. Number 19. Jack Robinson. Born Warrington. 1st of September 1993. Previously. Liverpool, Wolves, Lone, Blackpool, Lone, QPR, Huddersfield, Lone, Nottingham Forest. Once Liverpool's youngest ever player, Jack never quite made the grade at Anfield. Instead, the 30-year-old central defender has spent most of his career in English football's second tier, representing no fewer than six different clubs in the championship including Sheffield United, with whom he made his debut as a Premier League player after arriving from Nottingham Forest in January 2020. Number 5. Austin Trustee. Born, Media, Pennsylvania, USA, 12th of August 1998. Previously, Bethlehem Steel, Philadelphia Union, Colorado Rapids, Arsenal, Birmingham, Lone. U.S. international centre-back Austin was actually an Arsenal player from January 2022 to August this year when he joined the Blades, but he never played for the Gunners, instead spending last season on loan at Birmingham, where he was voted Player of the Year. The 25-year-old made his first Premier League start at Fulham earlier this month, and may benefit from the injury crisis in defence. Number 21. Vinicius Souza. Born, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, 17th of June, 1999. Previously, Flamengo, Lommel, Mechelen, Lone, Espanol, Lone. Although relegated from La Liga last season while on loan at Espanol, Vinicius Souza made a positive enough impression in Spain to earn himself a move to the Premier League, with Sheffield United signing him from Belgian club Lommel for around £10 million on a four-year deal. The Brazilian defensive midfielder 
has immediately established himself as a mainstay in the starting eleven. Number 16. Oliver Norwood. Born, Burnley, 12th of April, 1991. Previously, Man United. Carlisle, Loan. Scunthorpe, Loan. Coventry, Loan. Huddersfield, Reading. Brighton, Fulham, Loan. After three promotions to the Premier League in as many seasons with Brighton, Fulham and Sheffield United from 2016 to 17 to 2018 to 19, former Northern Ireland international Oliver made it four in 2022 to 23 as he helped the Blades return to the top flight. Indeed, he did not miss a single league game in either of the last two championship campaigns and remains indispensable in central midfield. Number 8. Gustavo Hamer. Born, Itajai, Brazil, 24th of June, 1997. Previously, Feyenoord, Dordrecht, Lone, PEC Zwolle, Coventry. A Brazilian brought up in the Netherlands, Gustavo has represented his adopted country at youth level and made 50 Dutch Eredivisie appearances before joining Coventry in 2020. He had an outstanding 2022-23, which ended in Championship Playoff final penalty heartbreak against Luton, a game in which he scored his 11th goal of the season. The skillful schemer joined the Blades for £15 million in August. Number 28. James McCatty. Born, Salford, 18th of October, 2002. Previously, Manchester City. A Manchester City Academy product, midfielder James is now in his second season on loan at Sheffield United. He was a big hit for the Blades last term, scoring nine goals in 37 appearances, and will be hoping to make a similar impression in the Premier League. The England Under-21 International was a substitute for City in the Champions opening day 3-0 win at Burnley. Number 10. Cameron Archer. Born, Walsall, 9th of December 2001. Previously, Aston Villa, Solihull, Lone, Preston, Lone, Middlesbrough, Lone. A member of England's European Under-21 Championship winning squad earlier this year, alongside current teammate Luke Thomas, Cameron joined the Blades from Aston Villa in August and scored on his debut in a 2-2 draw with Everton. A Villa youth product, the striker barely played for the first team, but enjoyed productive spells on loan in the Championship. Premier League 2023-2024 Stat Pack Arsenal Sheffield United Match Facts and Total Cards Arsenal are unbeaten in 18 home meetings with Sheffield United in all competitions, W13-D5, since a 1-0 top-flight defeat in August 1971. Arsenal are unbeaten in 36 Premier League home games against promoted sides, W31-D5, with their last defeat coming against Newcastle United in 2010. Arsenal, 
Yellow cards, 15. Red cards, 1. Goals, 18. Expected goals, 16.2. Goals conceded, 8. Expected goals against, 8. Clean sheets, 4. Shots, 131. Average possession, 60.2%. Shot conversion rate, 13.7%. Points gained after trailing, 5. Points dropped after leading, 4. Sheffield United, yellow cards, 26. Red cards, 1. Goals, 7. Expected goals, 7.5. Goals conceded, 24. Expected goals against, 20.9. Clean sheets, 0. Shots, 83. Average possession, 38.4%. Shot conversion rate, 8.4%. Points gained after trailing, 1. Points dropped after leading, 5. Goal times. Arsenal. 0 to 15. Scored. Nil. Conceded. 2. 16 to 30. Scored. 4. Conceded. 1. 31 to 45. Scored. 2. Conceded. 1. 46 to 60. Scored. 3. Conceded. 2. 61 to 75. Scored. 3. Conceded nil. 76 to 90. Scored six. Conceded two. Sheffield United. Zero to 15. Scored nil. Conceded two. 16 to 30. Scored nil. Conceded three. 31 to 45. Scored three. Conceded three. 46 to 60. Scored 1, conceded 4. 61 to 75, scored 2, conceded 4. 76 to 90, scored 1, conceded 8. Scouting report. Tactics. Sheffield United's 3-5-2 formation has been an intrinsic part of their success in recent seasons, but this weekend we could see a different shape. Crippled by injuries to 13 first-team players, the Blades only had two fit central defenders available for last weekend's 2-1 defeat at home to Manchester United. That prompted a switch to 4-4-2, but with frontman Ollie McBurney also limping off in that clash, I suspect they will tweak their system again, with 4-5-1 their most likely choice. If Cameron Archer plays as a lone striker, the Blades will sit off and keep a compact shape behind the ball before releasing their pacey forward with early passes into the channels. Oliver Norwood is a key tactical figure too. He drops between his central defenders to start moves and is adept at striking accurate long diagonal passes. Style of play In the Championship, the Blades had a balanced style that saw them mix up their distribution short and long while regularly pushing their wide centre-backs forward to create overloads down the wings. Going up a level, 
they've understandably been more reticent to play this way, and, with an average of just 38.4% possession, more of their focus has been on defensive organisation. Here at Emirates Stadium, the Blades will allow us to dominate possession, and from any transitions they create, their approach will be direct. Across a trio of narrow losses against Tottenham, Manchester United and Manchester City, Paul Heckingbottom's men averaged a lowly 29.3% share of possession, while sending 22.7% of their own passes long. Strengths Set pieces have always been one of Sheffield United's strong suits. Norwood's devilish deliveries are not easy to handle, and they also pose a threat from long throws too, netting from one at Tottenham. Hard work and aggression are also non-negotiables for Heckingbottom. Out of possession, they show a great appetite to shut off passing angles, and this is why they have produced 92 interceptions already this season, with only West Ham United making more. From those turnovers, they like to release the dangerous Archer, or fellow new signing Gustavo Hamer. If he is past fit, tall target man centre-forward Ollie McBurney will also pose an aerial threat when crosses are whipped into the danger zone. Weaknesses A lack of major investment last summer, coupled with an alarming injury crisis, has left Sheffield United's squad looking thin and low on top-flight quality. They must improve at both ends of the pitch to stave off the threat of relegation. In attack, they haven't carved out enough chances in open play, scoring just seven goals in total, a tally that includes two set pieces and a penalty kick. Off the ball, the Blades have also struggled to stem the tide of opposition attacks. Keeper Wes Fodderingham has faced more shots than anyone else, 190, and made more saves, 48. They must tighten up and give their custodian better protection. Key man. Signed from Coventry City earlier this summer, Brazilian-born star Gus Hamer is a dynamic attacking midfield player. Busy, tenacious and talented, the 26-year-old is a tremendous striker of the ball, netting a number of long-range strikes during his time in English football. Last season for the Sky Blues, he delivered 11 goals and 10 assists, and he is currently Sheffield United's leading marksman with two goals. If we allow Hamer time and space to shoot or create inside the final third, he has the ability to conjure up a special moment. Match Action Premier League, Sunday, 8th of October 2023, 4.30pm, Emirates Stadium. Arsenal 1, Martinelli 86, assist Havertz, Manchester City 0. Match stats. Expected goals, AFC 0.39, MCFC 0.48. Shots on target, AFC 2, MCFC 1. Hit Woodwork, AFC 0, MCFC 0. Possession, AFC 49%, 
MCFC, 51%. Completed passes, AFC, 433. MCFC, 451. Corners, AFC, 5. MCFC, 4. Tackles, 1. AFC, 12. MCFC, 12. Offsides, AFC, 2. MCFC, 0. Yellow cards, AFC, 2. MCFC, 3. Red cards, AFC, 0. MCFC, 0. Key moments, 4. Ake fires over from close range. 26. Nicotia shoots just wide. 29. Kovacic is booked for a late challenge on Odegaard. 51. Martinelli's near post shot is saved. 86. Martinelli's shot is deflected past Edison via Ake for the winner. Match facts. We are unbeaten after eight league games. Our longest unbeaten start to a season since 2007-08. We restricted Manchester City to just four shots. It's the fewest shots a Pep Guardiola side has had in a top-flight game since April 2010 with Barcelona against Espanyol. Also four. After a run of 15 games without a victory in this fixture, drawn two, lost 13, Losing the last 12 in a row, we have beaten Manchester City in the Premier League for the first time since December 2015. Quotes, David Rare. It was something incredible and we feel a lot of relief as well. We were winning every single duel and creating chances. We were threatening them, so seeing that goal hitting the back of the net was amazing. Unfair play to the players, to the club, to the staff that we were on top today. Match action. Premier League, Saturday 21st of the 10th, 2023, 5.30pm, Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 2, Arsenal 2. Key moments. Saliba is penalised for handball and Cole converts the spot kick. 48. Mudrik lobs Raya from a tight angle to double the lead. 77. Rice's superb first-time shot from an errant clearance makes it 2-1. 84. Trossard slides in at the far post to neatly turn home Saka's cross. Match facts. Leandro Trossard is the first player ever to score his first Premier League goals for Arsenal all as a substitute. All five of Trossard's Arsenal goals in all competitions have been assisted by Bukayo Saka. Declan Rice's goal came from 36.6 yards out, the furthest goal we have scored in the Premier League since Opta Records began in 2006-07. Quotes, Declan Rice. It's a bitter feeling, to be honest, because we know if what we did in the second half we did in the first as well, we would have won the game. There was a feeling that we could have been better, we could have taken all three points. In football, things throw out surprises, and in the first half, we weren't as good as we wanted to be. Final words. We were greatly saddened to hear of the recent death of young poet and Arsenal supporter Buyego Udubanjo. 
As a tribute to Boyega, we feature an obituary from his family here, and also to close this issue of the Match Day program dedicated to Black History Month, Dr. Clive Nwonka has selected a poem from Boyega's collections. Boyega Udubanjo tragically left us too soon, but leaves behind a legacy of pioneering poetry and loving memories. He was the voice of a generation, a proud Arsenal fan, Londoner, geezer, Bukeo Saka believer, and a friend to everyone he met. Buyega will be deeply missed by all who knew him. We miss you already, friend. Your words continue to mark those who had the privilege of experiencing your artistry. Rest in power. Life is for the living, Buyega. Particularly moving. I've chosen the poem, There is Joy Breaking Here. There is something particularly moving, but also optimistic and uplifting in the title. It seems to describe the sense of fulfilment found in everyday experiences in and amongst the family members. This feels very appropriate, as it could be a description for so much of what is felt and is valuable within football culture. There is joy breaking here. And Uncle is drunk already. Uncle has his nephews, his special brew holding him up and happier than the rest of us. This bloodshot day of meat and gisting. Uncle grills burgers in knock-off Birkenstocks, plays cocaine for Auntie, long since tired of his face and fatuous self. Uncle deep in meniscus, Uncle cracks the bone and swallows marrow, does not sweat or spill a sip. Uncle of independent means, clapping on the ones and threes, jiving, got the old lady and the home office and type 2 diabetes and maize and Frankie Beverly clapping on behind him. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta Shirt Red with white sleeves. Shorts, white. Socks, white. 1. Aaron Ramsdale, goalkeeper. 2. William Saliba. 4. Ben White. 5. Thomas Party. 6. Gabriel Magalhães. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Martin Odegaard. 9. Gabriel Jesus. 10. Emile Smith-Rowe. 11. Gabriel Martinelli. 12. Jurian Timber. 14. Eddie Nekataya. 15. Jacob Kiwior. 17. Cedric Soares. 18. Takahiro Tomiyasu. 19. Leandro Trossard. 20. Jorginho. 21. Fabio Vieira. 22. David Rea, goalkeeper. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed El Neni. 29. Kai Havertz. 31. Carl Hine, goalkeeper. 33. Arthur Oconquo, goalkeeper. 35. Alexandra Zinchenko. 41. Declan Rice. 71. Charles Sago Jr. For Sheffield United. Manager Paul Heckingbottom. Shirt. Grey stripes with red trim. Shorts. Grey with red trim. Socks. Red. 1. Adam Davies.
goalkeeper. 2. George Baldock. 3. Max Lowe. 4. John Fleck. 5. Austin Trusty. 6. Chris Basham. 7. Rianne Brewster. 8. Gustavo Hamer. 9. Ollie McBurney. 10. Cameron Archer. 11. Benny Traore. 12. John Egan. 14. Luke Thomas. 15. Arnella Metazic. 16. Oliver Norwood. 17. Ismaila Koulibaly. 18. Wes Fodderingham. 19. Jack Robinson. 20. Jaden Bogle. 21. Vinicius Souza. 22. Tom Davies. 23. Ben Osborne. 25. Anis Ben Slimane. 26. Ryan Wan. 27. Yasser Laruki. 28. James McAtee. 31. Marcus Dewhurst, goalkeeper. 32. William Asula. 33. Reese Norrington Davies. 35. Andre Brooks. 36. Daniel Jebison. 37. Jordan Amasa, goalkeeper. 38. Femi Sariki. 39. Antoine Hackford. 40. Judy Bayabu. Referee, Tim Robinson. Assistant referees, Edward Smart, Nick Greenhay. Fourth official, John Busby. VAR official, Michael Salisbury. Additional VAR official, Nick Hopton. Today's other fixtures. Chelsea vs Brentford, 12.30pm. Bournemouth vs Burnley, 3pm. Wolverhampton Wanderers vs Newcastle United, 5.30pm. No room for racism. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Arsenal's new 23-24 home kit. Shop now or visit the Armoury. Why ask the barrister if you can be the barrister? Lavazza coffee machine from £1. Discover more at lavazza.co.uk No room for racism anywhere. Arsenal and the rest of the Premier League will not tolerate racism anywhere. And we are taking action to combat all forms of discrimination. But we can all do more. Challenge it, report it, change it, and together we can make a positive impact. Visit premierleague.com forward slash no room for racism to find out more. Hashtag no room for racism. Challenge it, report it, change it. Premier League. Arsenal. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.